Welcome to the fourth annual Macrofab Star Wars Christmas Special Podcast. We are your guests, Hyron. And Roz. And we are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 204. By day, Roz is a spreadsheet slinger for the Umbrella Corporation. When he's not wasting too much time playing Star Wars RPG with your gracious hosts, he's typically doing his best not to burn down his shed with whatever project his ADHD allows him to focus on. From 9 to 5, Hyron is a security researcher, systems engineer, and corporate advisor of First Order Security Policy via Carillion PowerPoints. However, from 5 to 9, he is a hardware hacker, designer of Anot XOR embedded system puzzles, and Sri Wookiean voiceover of Droid Holiday VR porn. So, does it not go without saying is, spoiler alert, if you have not watched Star Wars Episode 9, uh, turn this off. Go see that movie, then come back. Um, thank you for your download. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to our two guests for coming on, Hi Ron and Roz. Hey, thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah. Roz was on uh, last year's holiday special, which was a ton of fun. Yeah, you got and the so... bleep button ready this year, too? or <laughs> No. <laughs> we talked about all kinds of stuff. We'll fix it last in posts, year. yeah. I want to be bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> So episode nine, we all saw it. It was a movie. It yeah. was a movie. At least one movie. It had motions on screens. Pictures. There was Visual dialogue. effects. So do we want to jump into that right now? Yeah. Talk let's, about episode nine? Yeah, let, let's, let's just let's talk a little bit about that and then move on to some other stuff. Okay. So uh, episode nine thoughts. Uh, I guess I will start. Yeah, go for it. Is, uh, I didn't write any notes, but... Um, my biggest problem. Uh, I like how you start, start with, with the problem. problem. Start with yes. the problem right yes. away. Yes, foreshadowing. <laughs> my biggest problem is there doesn't seem to be any like long-lasting ramifications. Oh my gosh! No, the, the, there's like strings of things that get resolved, like introduced and resolved immediately. Sometimes in the same scene. Yeah, sometimes, but like the main ones I'm thinking about is like when uh, Ray blows up the transport. Blows up Chewbacca. Yeah, and I was like, holy f And then, like, the next scene, like... Yeah. Like, he's alive, and you're like, that. I, want, yeah, no. like, I didn't want no. Chewbacca to be dead, but I was like, man, they just, like... They could have waited at least, like, 30 minutes before revealing that he was still alive or something. You, well, you know they screened that scene, and some Disney exec was like, nope, can't, nope, reshoot yeah, that. No, you're nope. not that. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. I had already come to terms with it. Because that's the thing is, you don't see two transports you only see one transport the entire time right and so they made up they used to say they reshot that next scene that said oh there was two transports yeah i i figured you know what they let him go there because last time i'm like you killed akbar just on a whim so you know what you killed chewy i'm okay with it i was coming to terms with it and then two minutes later you're like oh god damn it uh, <laughs> But then, but but here's the thing: the scenes go leading up to that point. I was just I almost had my my head in my hands because it was like, okay, we've got to go out to this random place in the desert to find this random ship that's been sitting there for a long time that has the thing that we need. And then oh no, there's quicksand. And then oh no, there's a thing down there. And then oh no, there's a worm. And then oh no, I find that I can heal it. And this all happens in like three minutes. And then, oh no, Chewie dies. You know, like, it's like, holy crap, how much crap can you just keep throwing at it? 
It's ridiculous. So, and then the next time they, the major point when they do this is C-3PO, when he gets his mind wiped, right? And they're like, oh, you have a backup. And they say, oh, R2-D2's backup isn't very good, so it won't work. Except for this time, it was perfect. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> come on, guys. Like, I thought it'd be really funny from their point out, like, he was like how he was in episode one, where, like, he's just meeting people. It was, yeah. We- but no. They did it for one scene, and then that was it. Well, so the, it, that leads in, and sorry not to take the, you know, mantle from you here, but that leads into my like biggest problem with the entire, mainly episode nine, but really the whole last three, the the, the latest trilogy is that the fan service is insane, right? Mm-hmm. It like everything. Oh, Chewie gets a medal. <laughs> you know, at the very end, it's and he gets a medal from like the intern, you know, like the lady who f- <laughs> the does the filing, like off to the side. It's like, hey, we didn't want anybody to, to see this, but here you go. <laughs> you know, yo, we got some lost time to make up for, yo. Yeah. Right. That, does that make up for the hug? Yes. That's <laughs> the medal. <laughs> uh, remind, what hug? What are you talking about? At the end of it was episode seven. Where they come back and like Ray and um, and Leia hug and like completely bypass Chewie. <laughs> like, they just leave Chewie just standing off like, there, just going. Don't mind me, I'm only eight feet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, overlook. Uh, real quick, back on C-3PO when he was getting um, his mind, I guess, dumped from by the little uh, Gizmo guy. I was super, super hoping that that little guy would say, like, who the hell built this thing? Like, <laughs> I would just be like, man, this thing is garbage. This is built like, it's like it's built by like a six-year-old. What the hell? Why is all this sand in here? Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of C-3PO, though, is he stole the sh- first act for me. He was the best character and best written character, like, in that first whole act. Because of the mind wipe thing? No, just like his interactions with everyone, um, his comments, quips, like when they get sucked down into like the sand pit, like everyone's like, oh, are you, are you okay? And then C-3PO is like, I'm fine in the background. Yeah. And then everyone <laughs> just ignores him. <laughs> like yeah, him, good. he stole the show in that first act. And then he gets kind of sidelined until he gets his memory erased, right? But yeah, he was like, he, he made the first act of that movie bearable for me. <laughs> You, you know, uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 are the only two characters that have been in every Star Wars movie, all, all of the nine. Yeah, because everyone, everyone is either not in that movie or dead by then. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Force ghosts. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised with the way they did things if they killed off C-3PO and R2-D2 and made them force droid ghosts. Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all with the way they handle the force and stuff now. Oh, Jesus. Well, so the the interesting thing about this movie is, like, it's like they finally realize that, oh, God, we have to build background and plot into this story. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Quick, let's do it in 60 minutes for the first half of the movie. Cram everything in. Ray has to go to training. That explains her ridiculous powers. You know? But, like, it's not just that. She has to go to training and then fail the training. Mm, yeah, well. Because she doesn't complete it. You know, actually, when I, I was watching a, a, a Star Wars review just the other day, and... Um, the, the the guy who was reviewing called out something I never thought about. We've never seen a Jedi complete their training. Or actually, we've never seen anyone complete their training. We've only seen people who have, but not like ever successfully do it. You know? Hmm. 
Yeah, that would be true. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, we don't we don't know what that actually looks like. Do, like, I was talking to my wife the other day. I was like, do they just kind of, like, take you to Dave & Buster's and give you, like, <laughs> some game cards and be like, you did it! Yeah. <laughs> Get a certificate. <laughs> a free drink ticket and a hamburger. <laughs> You're a Jedi. <laughs> so, something that was bothering me through it. Oh, uh, other than, was this the shortest crawl ever for the intro? It felt like it. I looked at it, I was like, Christ, the crawl has like a 64 character limit now. It's like millennial <laughs> it, it was tweets. a tweet. It's just yeah. a space tweet. Yeah, it's space tweet. They're so like, um, TLDR, shit gone wrong, space, laser. No, it go. wasn't just that. It was like they introduced a major plot point, which was Palpatine's back, baby. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just, it just says, uh, the dead can speak, Palpatine is alive. And it's just like... If you're going to do that, they could have just then Ray has been in training for the past year as well. Yeah. And then all this other stuff, they just, like, they could have taken half the crap they combined in the first act and just shoved it into that beginning crawl. And then I would have been like, okay, cool. That's what they did in Jedi. Yeah, that's that's what they did in Jedi, yeah. But but when it starts, you can tell that it's been time passed. You, you, they, even though they didn't say it, like, they, they kind of let it bleed in where it's like, yeah... Some time's gone on. Things have been happening. Here, you can't get any concept of time between the end of the last movie and this one. Yeah. Well, because of the like the resurrection of Palpatine and like the training that Ray went through, and God, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of other things. Like, basically, all you need to know from the last movie is that Snoke is dead, and you know that's about it. <laughs> name name a major plot point from. The Last Jedi that really affected this movie. Go on, I'll wait. <laughs> Poe became a leader. Irrelevant. That's about it. Poe became a leader and Snoke is dead. That's, didn't that's get, it. Nobody but, listened to him and he didn't actually get promoted. That's well, he's just he's just the highest ranking person still alive. That's it. <laughs> but you you saw the VAD in the in the Sith Temple. Snoke's just bad 3D prints. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was true. actually my favorite thing. It was just like, that's the equivalent of like, you know, when you save your leftover ABS to make slurry, they're like, oh, this one didn't work. Just throw it in the Snoke pile. We'll melt it down and use the, <laughs> the Snoke pile. Oh, geez. For the mater materializer. <laughs> I thought that was like, I don't know. It just felt like a like whenever because uh, whenever J.J. Abrams basically like unwrote something from what happened in the last movie, it. It felt like a snide to the previous movie. Like that whole, like, vat of Snoke's. Oh, Because like, yeah. Palpatine could have just said, Your evil villain is just a carbon copy, like, yeah, thrown in a test tube, basically. Yeah. yeah. They're like, yep, these clones didn't work out. Yeah, like, he's not important at all or anything. There's nothing nothing about him. Because Palpatine could have just said, Oh, I was controlling Snoke. Like, that whole, like, when he was... Palpatine was talking, and then his voice morphed into Snoke's voice. Like, I really liked that. And then Vader's. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool, but then they panned to, like, the vat of Snoke's, and I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they put a lot of effort into um, making this movie negate the last one. Like, they put a ton of effort into it. Well, because the last movie basically shot all continuity in the foot. Like, it, it, it's like three separate movies and they're trying to make it a cohesive trilogy and they had to do it in the first 60 minutes of the last movie. So I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt 
um, Disney's new EU. Forget the hell it's called. So they they released two books to bridge um, the la the last movie and this one. It, the book's called Resistance Reborn. So I was like, okay, I'll bite. Get the audiobook. Parker was right. They Disney does audiobooks well. They're master with sound effects, music, and all that. There's like two to three years between um, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. And the stuff that they explain where when they were talking about the back reasons for making the book was we couldn't fit this in the movie, but there's a lot of stuff we want to explain to let you realize that uh, what you lost was, did you ever pick up on, you know, when Poe Dameron goes rogue and uh, contributes to like destroying the entire fleet and getting him on the run and running with mutiny and then all of a sudden he's a hero again? No, he pretty much destroyed the resistance down to six or seven people. But when Rise of Skywalker starts, it's like, hey, we got a bunch of people together. We we don't talk about, um, hey, where were all our friends that didn't show up? And they explain everything going on in the books and what happens. So when he makes that comment in the movie, he's like, I just don't know where everyone showed up. I'm like, damn it, Disney, you just shot your... That's the whole reason you released the damn book where you explained it's meant for continuity and you messed that one up with one line edit it out yeah talk talk about that yeah that you're talking about like the like the zerg fleet that shows up at the end of the movie like yeah everybody rolls out their uh you know their t16 skyhopper and decides to go hey it's like it's like lando revere goes rides around the countryside and and like <laughs> just rallies the whole galaxy and he's like i have no idea where were you guys at i'm like oh did you forget the damn 14 dollar book that disney slang to get everyone on board with understanding where they came from um oh well but you know what glass half full if you don't let yourself get caught up in storyline plot holes and things like that i i took a point of view of this if you just look at the theme of the story arcs, like episode one through three, the theme is that the Jedi are too powerful. And, and, and bureaucratic. That, and, and bureaucratic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Episodes four through six, they're, they're tired of all the bureaucracy. Guess what? Now the Sith are too powerful. The theme of the final arc is just balance and realizing if you have Sedi Jedi or Sith, they're just going to fight and let's just burn it all down burn the text, get rid of it all. You, despite feelings on Rey's incredible ability to learn the Force really quickly, um, she can wield a Jedi Knight's weapon and use Force Lightning and have a good balance. And So not one or the other, just have a balance. I felt like, I felt like the whole Rey, Rey Palpatine thing um, was kind of like... Who did Palpatine f Right. A... <laughs> A, I didn't see a Mrs. Palpatine running around. So, like Palpatine, was that was that post being electrocuted by Mace Windu as well? No, because like his son I would hope was not. Yeah, that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like his son in the flashbacks in the ninth movie, his son was like a grown. Well, obviously he's got a kid, so he's like a like a middle aged grown man in his yeah twenty twenty five thirty years old. Um. But I don't know. From a timeline standpoint, you'd have to do the math. But I, I would say that from a story, it was almost like they were like, ah, oh, we have to explain why she's so good with the Force. Uh, 
Who's who's more powerful than a Skywalker? Uh, uh, Palpatine? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Write that in there. Write that in there. Yeah. That'll work. They, they couldn't make her a Skywalker just from, like, because the fact that, like, Luke has no idea who she is. No. Also, I think I think Disney wants to finish the Skywalker thing so they can go make money doing other things. Yeah, so they can merchandise other characters. Right, exactly. Yeah. They have to kill it somehow. It just took three movies in five years. Like Doc Ock Palpatine, you know, in his giant. Doc Ock Palpatine. Oh yeah, that's totally what that. That's totally what it reminded me of too. And it was ridiculous. Yeah. Like this guy's like more like a well, actually, there's something to it. He's more like a Marvel villain than he was like a Star Wars villain. Here's a super nerdy connection. Uh, I I know Parker, mm. you've played Portal. Uh, Hyron, have you played Portal? Oh yeah, and Roz. Oh yeah, it looked like Glados a little exactly, bit. Exactly, exactly. The last yeah. boss in Portal Two, it's like identical. <laughs> just put, just copy paste Palpatine's face on it. You got it. Oh, that's gonna be an awesome mod if someone can add Force Lightning to Glados at the end. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing about the movie, though. Is I would agree with Hyron. Is out of all the Star Wars movies, this one actually has like the least amount of plot holes. I agree. Um, there's only one I can think of, and it might be I just missed it, is when, like, they go into, um, they, they bring the fleet into uh, the Unknown Regions, which was, I thought it was really cool how they navigated it. Um, By track and ray or whatever. Because you, you only hear about that in a couple books, like how to navigate the Unknown Region. So that whole, seeing that in film was really cool. But when they show up and they're like, okay, we gotta get this tower. How do they know that tower is a thing? Well, and the other question is, is there's, like, X-Wings, like, flying around all around. It was like, why couldn't you just shoot it with an X-Wing? Oh, yeah, they had to do a ground attack on it for some reason. On horseback. Yeah, right. they had to do a ground attack on horseback, and they were like, oh, like, they shut down the tower. It's like, oh, we got to go to that tower that's on the Star Destroyer. And then it's like, we're still uh, doing a ground attack. And it's just like... <laughs> and that... Even though they're all carbon copied and like there's like twenty thousand star destroyers, that's the only one that they decided to build a tower on for some reason. Okay, actually, wait, wait. Here, here's here's two quick little potholes, uh, plot holes that I want to just bring into light here that bothered no, us no. not out of me. The first of episode four, five, and six, they, I mean, it's all about like building the Death Star for the Empire, right? Which is like their moon-sized thing that they have to dump all of their effort in in order to have the capability to destroy planets. And then in episode nine, they just install that gun on every ship. I mean, like, it doesn't, like... It's a giant swinging codpiece on the bottom of every Star Destroyer. TIE Fighters are now going to have the planet-destroying capabilities coming up here. Exactly. Which is annoying, but hang on, there's one other thing that I just absolutely hated... I guess it's Moore's Law, you know, in in Star Wars terms. Yeah, but, I mean, we're not talking about very long here. We're talking about, what, <laughs> 20, 30 years? Maybe Moore's Law applies. But, but okay, wait. The, is, was it not so unbelievably convenient that there was this Sith weird planet over there that has a big triangle base on it? And it just, they happened to have a fleet that would require the governments of, like, the whole galaxy to be able to create this fleet, like, where do they get the raw material to do that? Where do they get the whole, like, ability to create all of that? Uh, at the end of the Empire, when Thrawn was doing his... Well, but you're you're talking about, like... No, that's new canon. That's new stuff. That's canon now? No, that's, that's what I was wondering now. about. I thought, even though they, ca they cast everything aside, but didn't they allow the Thrawn trilogy to be part of the, the, the new stuff? The, yeah, they rewrote it. The new Thrawn stuff. I haven't read those yet. 
Well, okay, here's the thing. That's that's fantastic and all, and I, I like that there is some kind of explanation. But as Hyron pointed out earlier, Disney has already said, like, the books and the movies don't matter together. They've already, like, rejected those. So why didn't they mention something like that in the in the movies? It's just, like, it, does, it doesn't sit well with me that it's just yeah. like, here's this next oh. scene where there's this unbelievably huge thing, and it's super convenient that it's like, if you just follow me, you get all of this crap, you know? <laughs> well, that... To, to build on that, that that actually in relation to that, that was what pissed me off was hey all of the old expanded universe it's legends now it doesn't matter but we're gonna write some books that do matter right but and then please they don't. read them and please then they brand them. it the road to skywalker where it's like if you do want to know what happens you read this book and i'm like come on guys <laughs> <laughs> you're correct is is it seems that they play little loose with the connection between the book and books and what's going on in the movie shit they play fast and loose between the connection of each movie are you kidding and the force oh, there was no connection <laughs> yeah you know okay so- uh, but okay as all all like negative feedback aside i will yeah. agree i think you said it parker i think i will agree that of the latest trilogy this is probably the least bad movie <laughs> i wouldn't say it's my favorite but they at least tried to explain some things that they just thought we would take as, you know, take on face value in the first two. Like, uh, you know, at least they, they had Ray go to some training. At least they had, you know, an explanation for why, you know, uh, whatever. You, t- you pick your major plot point, Ben's redemption and, and all that stuff. Like, I was okay. I, I guess the big plot points... I didn't have any major problems with in this movie. And the, and the thing is, stuff happens in this movie. A lot of stuff. The, the, basically, my biggest concern, uh, problem with the movie is what I said at first. It's just like, they they do something, why, that's bad. And then next scene, they fix it immediately. So it's like, it's like we're goldfish. That we can right. only handle bad things for like five seconds. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's movies in general now. <laughs> they, well, it, very true. Like there's been, there were several times in the movie where they came like a millimeters distance from actually like breaking the fourth wall and explaining to you, all right, audience, this is what's happening. I mean, it was almost that basic. Some of the explanations, like somebody would say something, and then another character would be like, "You mean like X, Y, and Z?" <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know who um you know who I think steals the role for the best character? Uh I think Lando takes it home from me. Just because <laughs> I it like it looks like he's the one who almost breaks the fourth wall the most in my opinion, just because he looks so happy to be back on a Star Wars set. Every scene That'll of work. Lando, he's smiling ear to ear and he's just like, Hey guys, how's it going? And then later on he shows up with like the fleet of a thousand sons and he's like, Hey guys, look what I got and he's just super happy about everything all the time. I'm just waiting for the Colt 45 relaunch. <laughs> I was half expecting, like, whenever he would deliver a line, he would turn to the camera, wink. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it was like this cl- Like, he just looks like that really happy grandpa that is, like, really, really ecstatic to be around his grandkids all the time. He, you know? he does have a really... His last line in the movie is really creepy, though. Okay, so, all right, let's talk about it's that. Garbage. Because I picked up on that, too. It's garbage. So, either he's just a really nice old man, or everything we know about Lando is correct, and he's trying to hit on, like, a 
19-year-old chick. Ah, no, 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 no. You've that... got it all wrong. There's a third option. Disney's trying mm-hmm. to do a spinoff of another uh, thing that has Lando and this new chick, which, what's her name? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. I, I call her Zed because that's all I remember from, like, the dialogue of when she was talking to Finn and her name. Like, it, there was a Zed in there because it sounded weird because I'm American. You know, the th- uh, oh, he's two quick things. These new kids who've inherited the Millennium Falcon treat it like garbage. No, no. Here's the thing. Look at the look at oh, episode hyperfa- four, five, and six. Skipping. Well, no, no, no. Oh, oh, wait, 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 hang on, hang on, oh, a little bit more yeah, than this. Oh, episode four, five, episode four, five, and six. The Millennium Falcon hits something like legitimately hits something one time. Uh, Lando. When he's flying, satellite in, dish. he hits he hits the satellite dish, and that other guy's like blah 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 blah, he's, and you know blah blah whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, that guy. And so he hits that every single movie in in seven, Ian eight, Numba, nine. The they're like running the Millennium Falcon into the ground, like shit's not working, and Crash they're like crashing it all over the place. It's like you gave the kids <laughs> yeah. a new car, and they just treat it like crap. You know, mm-hmm. bothers the hell it's out like of that, me. It's like that. It's like that kid whose parents bought him like a '69 Camaro in high school, and then he went and wrecked yeah. it. Like, yeah. Three weeks this later. Is, exactly. It's a classic. No. You brats. Solo is like turning in his grave right now. It, it, no, so <laughs> is that because Solo is wise and he cares about his stuff? Like, remember in in the Solo spinoff, you know, he was reckless too. Yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, that ship was brand new at the beginning of that movie. And <laughs> I mean, up when we see it in episode four. <laughs> when you think about the comparison, though, before, he's like, hey, let's just, let's, let's pop this. And he's like, no, well, do you want to come out in the middle of an asteroid field? Or it's like, we got to plot this out and make sure it's okay. And they're like, fuck it. Let's go hyperspace skipping. What? I don't care where I pop out. Yeah, that was okay, so I don't care is, about the safety They hyperspace computer. skip. <laughs> TIE fighters, at least the new First Order TIE fighters, they have hyperdrives now. Right, That's and they can we... track. They can track through hyperspace, which we found out in the last movie. Yeah, so apparently now the Tie Fighters, you don't need a giant ship for that anymore. It's Is just it... a small range, uh, a short range fighter. <laughs> unless, unless they're just like, because apparently when you hyperspace in Star Wars, you only go in a straight line. Go figure. And so if you knew what direction that thing was hyperspace enough, you could just follow its trajectory. But then you'd also have to know when to pop out. So let's talk about that for a second because he hyperspace skipped what at least four times. It was a lot. Yeah, that we saw. And yeah. every time he came out of hyperspace, he was in the atmosphere of some planet. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about threading the goddamn astronomical needle <laughs> and not actually going through the core of said planets or even hitting a planet at all. You know how much like open nothing there is in these galaxies? He's yeah. probably like just skipping through. The fact that he hit matter at all four times in a row is amazing <laughs> actually the the newest uh this is a super side note here but sci-fi stuff the newest rick and morty episode that came out last week has a phenomenal quote in it where they, they have to go outside of their spaceship and there is a space snake oh. that comes out and bites <laughs> one of the guys and one of the guys is like there's a, a snake in space and and rick is like there is literally everything in space <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, you're totally right, Roz. Like being able to jump from planet to planet, but not just planet to planet, like a few miles above the surface of that planet, right. like with that kind of precision. First of all, like that's a ridiculously um, in, in improbable. But 
if there's anything that the the episode four, five, and six taught us about the Millennium Falcon, it's kind of crappy, and like it breaks down all the time. Like the right, it can't do that, you know. No, I just like when it did come back from that mission, and like everyone's like screaming, like it's on fire, like like the how they set that shot up because it's from the perspective of Leia. I don't, who's the I, person who's actually talking? I think it's Leia or whatever. But because um, you see that person who's talking. Well, Leia and, and Poe's giving him shit. Like, what the f*** do you do that shit? <laughs> no, no, no. That's afterwards. After they land. But, like, everyone's, like, running to, like, the landing zone. Like, oh, shit, it's on fire, blah, blah, blah. And then, because they set that scene up really well. And then they pan around and, like, shit is falling apart off the Millennium Falcon on fire. <laughs> Yet they're flying it, like, yeah. the next scene. Yeah. So they beat, they beat the snot out of that ship. They, they destroyed it. But a scene later, it's already fixed, ready to go. Mm, so yep. there was no consequences of their actions. Nope. Nope. Yeah, and they even they even told Poe, it's like, you can't do this. And his solution was, yes, I can. Like, that's like, what? <laughs> oh, well, when you put it that way. <laughs> so Poe didn't learn his lesson from the previous movie. So, yeah. Yeah. You think they'd all learn their lesson after seeing Holdo go, like, kamikaze through uh, a giant dreadnought or whatever the hell I think we see was. that again too or the Ewoks see it the, huh? the Ewoks? did you catch like, at, there? at the very end where like the resistance is rising up all over the galaxy because it like blah, blah, blah. goes to different scenes over the galaxy of, hey, did, yeah. like, did you catch exploding? the the Wicket cameo yes <laughs> Wicket's um, there yes. Then kid. it shows uh, it shows some Ewoks sitting there like looking up in the sky and it shows the sky and it shows a Super Star Destroyer being like pierced by something and it like splitting asunder. <laughs> so oh. someone else they... got. Uh, they figured out that light speed is the best weapon of all time. Well, somebody said yeah. that. Somebody said that during, like when they were getting. Uh, I, I don't remember what part of the movie, but there was like I, I think it might have been when they showed up on the Sith planet. They're like, let's do some Holdo maneuvers and just like. Yeah, they actually guys. mention it, and they're like, we don't have enough ships this time. They had. I one still don't understand time. why they. <laughs> We talked about this on the last podcast. Why can't they just take, like, an asteroid and put a hyperdrive on it and I, just start shooting them into planets? <laughs> I don't know. I would think you'd risk making black holes all over the place by doing that. You're just going to rip apart true bosons and everything. <laughs> That's a cool it's thing, like, though. That's just, like, mashing, good. like, giant chunks of mass and forcing uh, them together. Just, just shredding time and space. All right, so do we have any other comments on episode nine before we actually get to <laughs> i'm sure some technical stuff i'm sure we do but after let's a just half hour of ripping it and we're like yeah we enjoyed it but here's yeah, it wasn't that bad hate <laughs> yeah at, out of the sequels it is the best one objectively i'll, I'll agree with that i didn't walk away angry i'll admit that i, yeah, was, I didn't walk away that angry either <laughs> i liked it the least i think my reaction was it's too little too late that too yeah hmm. I, I thought I thought the the like basically everything about the movie was like gorgeous and it was kind of well done, but the storytelling was awful and way too fast. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. But at least Shoot, it was storytelling. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> let's move on. All right. So this is this is uh, so um, usually we do this opposite. We usually do the tech stuff and then we talk about the movies but this time i guess we kind of flipped it around we just we just had to get up get on I, it, uh, it was it, we had nine. to yeah they will be able to end on a high note this time 
Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> this is something I've thought about is why does it seem that all the power in ships flow through control panels that are like right next to people? Like when when you get shot in fact in your X Wing and you get shot, like all the electricity like flows out like force lightning into like the, the pilot. Or like in Star Trek where like they get hit by a Klingon beam or whatever. I'm not big into Star Trek, but like like things explode in the control room and kill people. <laughs> Maybe they know something uh secret that uh, that we don't, and if you just pass all the power of the ship through absolutely everything, then that's the most that's the most efficient way to run the whole ship. <laughs> Maybe their stuff runs on more than just ones and zeros. Ooh. Oh, they run trinary. Trinary. Yeah. <laughs> or it's all analog. They actually well, have no, to control like I, the shield, the shield power through a switch. You know, actually, uh, uh, I Star mean, Trek Voyager sort of does that. Their ship is analog because they have like bio power or whatnot. They they even have like a whole episode where they pop panels off and you see like green goo that's flowing through <laughs> tubes and stuff. A heart beating. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but 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 still, even with like bio power throughout the whole ship, they're the the the, the control area blows up anytime something happens yeah no so, steven you you brought it up before though it in general what we're good at they're bad at and vice versa in our two universes yeah. so a lot of stuff where we've taken a completely digital approach you're like yeah look at c3po he's 90 percent cat 5 cable under some <laughs> <armor plating." laughs> um i probably power circuits and isolation not their thing yeah good point Good point. I yeah, they just joke. don't have isolation between you and the thing that can kill you. Yeah, you... some some force lightning can take down your entire your entire fleet. Apparently, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking. Like shielding. It seems there is a big economy based around scrapping scrappers. There's guilds and pirates of people that just go out, and because there's so many star fights and debris, they just steal shit and reuse it. You have Ali Jawa, where they buy shit from the Jawas. Ali Jawa. <laughs> yes. That's where you buy all the knockoff cheap shit in the Star Wars yeah. universe. It doesn't have any ESD protection. No, they just, they're like, you know, we could refine and make stuff, or we can buy this stuff that the Jawa stole from people and pack it up under a panel, and it works. It works. So instead of ESD, it's FLP, Force Lightning Protection. Oh. <laughs> you know, actually, uh, I think... That kind of reminds me of a scene in, in episode nine. I believe it was Finn where somebody handed him a part, like a random part to one of these monstrous spaceships. Oh, this is an he goes, imperial, this imperial part. part. Like, how the no, hell did first you order know part. that? He says first order Oh, first part. order. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Napa know-how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like he tends – Finn look, tends to know about weird things about the first order. And he was a janitor. A janitor, Yeah. Only when it's convenient. Oh though. yeah, yeah. Only when it's convenient. I really expected when they talking about episode nine again. When he got on the ship, like he would just know where to go. Oh yeah. Well, when they went on uh, on um, oh, what's his name? The big the, yeah. Like where do we go? I don't know. Follow the me. The big the the yeah. space boomerang, that that big ship. Yeah. Oh, the dreadnought. Yeah, the dreadnought. That's it. Yeah. No, that's that's episode eight. Yeah, in episode nine they go on. Well, he the... knew where to go in episode eight when they got on the ship. Yes, on episode eight, but in episode nine they get on that ship again, a different ship, yeah. but it's uh, the command I can't ship. Why right? I can't remember. 
uh, Ben Solo's uh, ship. They get on his ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Remember? Because he's down on the ground, like, looking for them, and they go up oh, like a medallion. Yeah, and they yeah. set off the trigger, and they're like, hey, wait. You know, he's talking to Ray. Oh, they're up there in my room. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. But, like, I really expected him to know, like, oh, yeah, we just go down this passageway and take a right, and then there's Albuquerque. And <laughs> but they didn't do that. They were actually like, "Yeah, we're lost." Well, you never, so like, you, okay. you never know. Maybe, maybe the Empire has set up like standards on how their ships are laid out, where it's just like if you know one, you know them all. Uh, I would say sure, but yeah, the fact that in Episode Eight he knew where the tractor beam, even though he didn't know that thing, ex- or the uh, the hyperspace tracker was at, even though he didn't know that thing existed thirty seconds prior. <laughs> convenience but yeah yeah so why does all the power I guess they just don't have isolation or relays they don't have relays yeah everything is controlled by giant knife switches so when the droid pops into the back of the x-wing it just like its chest opens up and there's a bunch of arms that manipulate switches uh, yeah, yeah. I sound, like he's literally at parts of the movie sticking his arm into like socket, like circuits to try and complete the connection. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> oh yeah, his USB. In in episode seven, there's a point where uh, R two or an R two unit, I can't remember if it was a different one, uh, was trying to fix a circuit, and that circuit had through hole carbon composition resistors on it, like straight up. So. I mean, their technology is I don't, very strange compared to ours. Hmm. They have a lot of sand they can melt. <laughs> yes. At least two planets of it. <laughs> well, and now they can just shoot those planets in one shot, and there yeah. you go. Mining is completely different now. All right, so I guess we can talk about um, uh, about a little bit from um, Episode Nine, what we saw, like what Hyron saw. So, ignoring the fact that everyone thinks he's cute, I love Babu Frick. <laughs> That's mm. a little alien that, uh... Droids ready. Quote, yes. Unquote, <laughs> C-3PO, correct? Uh, he, he was Yeah, great. and partially because he reminds me of what you would get from the older, the older trilogy. He has four lines. We have no backstory. It's all your imagination. It's just like, Oh, we got to go see Babu Frick. Who's this? And they do not take the time to explain and, you know, downplay it to, oh, well, this is what he's done over the past 40 years. It's like, he goes with the Spice Runners. He can bypass security on any droid. I'm like, awesome. We have a hardware hacker in the Star Wars universe finally, and he's about a foot tall. (laughs) He's he's an RPG quest. That's all he is. That's all you got to know. You got to go to this guy, and he'll get you the thing you need. And I, I don't know. Yeah, he has five lines. He's funny, can barely speak basic. It's awesome. Um, but what got me, though, was I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to finally see them doing some hacking. Because, like, in the RPG stuff, you know, you'll hear of slicers or different hackers and stuff. And I'm like, cool, let's let's see how they put it in there. And he just starts ripping open the back of 3PO's head and and welding. And basically. He, he's basically <laughs> putting jumper wires in his head. I'm like, Okay, we got the Travis Goodspeed of of hardware hacking in the in the in the universe right now. But I look at that and I'm like, okay, so how would you do this? 
it's going through the check like i'm getting ready to decrypt this this sith message that you're not allowed to do it does some check so he's doing a voltage glitch on his head just to make him skip over the damn instruction and go through sorry i i'll work on software debugging as well so i sit there and look at well how would i do this it starts to fall apart for me though because they're like okay I analyze the check, and if he decodes this, it's going to wipe his memory, even if we bypass the first check. So why not pull in another protocol droid and show him or her, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, let's go get a sacrificial protocol Here, droid. look at this knife. <laughs> yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, because you could download copy yes. the memory into something else, and then, yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, when you're when you're doing teardowns, if you really want to reverse engineer a piece of hardware, you at least need four or five of them because you're going to brick like three of them and zap them in the process. So, yeah, let's go get another protocol droid. Give him the info. Do it. Um, I I still loved it. You know, he's he's doing it a very analog way and probably glitching him through the process and just skipping over the checks. If it was modern times, you'd have some weird first order or resistance version of open OCD and you debug them. I don't know <laughs> no, what the it's hell. It's just JTAG. The... That's, yeah. that's what the Empire would use. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't even want to think about what the the open OCD config for like a protocol droid looks like, but um, it works. And you got Babu Frick now and he's awesome. You talk about that, remind me of the uh, uh, earlier in the movie too when they, um, they had to do the data, like get the data for um from like their the from the spy right and they actually just like huck a cable down through like the open portals on the, the spaceships and like connect oh, yeah. them to the r2 unit and like like they don't trust wireless communication at all for any kind of major data like transfer no at all like we get operating system updates for our phones over the air and we're like yeah that's good <laughs> and they're like no, this like text file from the spy. We had to like have this ginormous, <laughs> like four inch diameter cable hooked down the access holes and then plugged into you. And that cable's like two inches by five inches across. It's a big connector. You got a lot of data to transfer. Yeah, a lot, a lot of parallel bits. <laughs> I, I, I think it could just be that. In, I mean, you got to think of it. It's a universe, right? star wars universe and it's a galaxy so it's a huge area with a lot of different cultures and stuff think about how many standards we have on on this one planet and then multiply that out by like a million so how does how do you even wrangle like standards in that case like that might be the only way that you could hack a protocol droid because a protocol droid built in tatooine might have a different interface in a different one so the only way is to manually kind of hook up wires and figure out what it is just get make sure you Actually, have alligator that, that goes on that yeah. goes on kind of our joke before though like what is 3po he's he's just a sailor logic analyzer with some machine learning <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah you know that's aside from talking he's like i can talk to droids i'm like yep you're a logic analyzer you're just using him to hack himself yeah and the um like that goes into like the fact that there's multiple protocol droids means Anakin didn't design him. He just built him. You know, I wonder if he was like Tatooine's version of a Heath kit uh for for a yeah. droid that you could you could yeah. get. Cuz I really doubt he did yep. everything from scratch. Yeah. 
Saved up his bottle caps and bought it on Prime or something. <laughs> Mail in. Well, there. I mean, there are other versions of three PO in various things. Like you see him in the background and whatnot. So yeah, it's it's a standard build. You get Runs into somewhere. one on Cloud City in uh, in Multiple. Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the silver one. Yeah. Yeah. How rude. Oh. Vader <laughs> has triple zero. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I would say, yeah. That's probably a kit you can buy and build. Now, whether or not the Anakin put some some Sith juice in there, who knows? Oh, he wasn't a Sith when he was building him, though. Sure. Wait, so... Never mind. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> what rabbit hole? I'm interested well, now. Well, I was just going to say, so, like, one of the leading theories around how Anakin came to be was Shmi Skywalker was artificially force inseminated by Palpatine or whatever. That's canon, by the way. So... It's in a comic. <laughs> a new comic. <laughs> Ray made out with her cousin at the end of the movie, is what you're telling me. Oh, yeah. That's totally what it is. It's gross. <laughs> oh, gross. didn't think of that. <laughs> That's just so, what those Skywalker Palpatines do. Those hey, those kids. I was, I was about to say, like, you know, don't as gross as it is, like incest is not anything uh, new to the Star Wars uh, franchise. Wow. So, like, I, uh, I, that whole scene kind of <laughs> bothered me. Like, I don't know. Up until about thirty minutes ago, we were trying to kill each other. But <laughs> let me suck your face. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that's Star Wars movies just can't write love love things at all. Like, interactions between people, it's just not its forte. Like, in episode two, they're like, um, y'all, we can't be married or can't be together because I'm in the Senate and you're a Jedi. And then, like, five minutes later, they're rolling around in the Sunflower Field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and Finn, Finn, poor Finn got screwed. Well, he didn't, so there's that. <laughs> Yeah, that was the most interesting thing about that movie is, like, Rose just got, like, sidelined super hard. Because they were supposed to be, like, a thing, right? At the end of that movie, they were, like, together. I don't know what Kelly Tran did to piss off the producers, but she got basically wrote out no, of no, that No, no, no. That goes exactly back to what I was talking about. They spent most of the movie trying to rewrite 8, and she was a character that was introduced in 8, and nobody liked her. So they downplayed her as much as possible. But she acts like, in that movie, she's like, but I have an idea. And everyone's like, uh, no. <laughs> like, she, like, she pops up, and then, like, people just ignore her in the movie, it feels like. I ignored her in the movie. So. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. It's just, it's, I just thought it was really interesting how the other characters in that movie interacted with Rose. It's just, it was like how, you know, the fan base treated her. It's like she was a family friend of Ryan Johnson or something. They're like, yeah, come on. We'll put you in the movie. Like Car- a- and now J.J. Abrams daughter. had to like, yeah, like Carrie. Uh, like, yeah, but well, she's actually a legit actor who's been in another movie. He's not to say this other actress isn't, but <laughs> like, it's like J.J. Abrams is like, what? Oh, God. All right. Fine. You can come too. <laughs> Sorry. I told you I didn't want to go down that rabbit yeah. hole. Well, we fine. did it. No. <laughs> so what other Heath kits does the... Uh, Star Wars universe have. Astromechs? Yeah. 
the, the, the like the BB-8 and the little one-wheeled uh, Segway robot. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, cone head. head yeah. The cone, yeah, the, the the traffic cone so, with a wheel on it. Cone head. I, so I don't understand this. Why do some droids just beep boop and others can actually speak? Because cone head is an er, older mech, right? Than BB-8 is, but BB-8 is only goes beeps and boops, and then like. St- Standards. Can you speak the binary language Bachi. of moisture evaporators? Bachi, True. that's right. Or they just, the, the, whoever made those drawers just didn't pay for the library for the Speak Basic. <laughs> the they didn't buy the fee. license. Yeah, the license. <laughs> the, 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 it's like JPEG version. Agreements. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the droid basic communication protocol is not uh, open source. They, they still have the student license on <laughs> student. it. <laughs> that's why we don't know what Mousy does. It's probably one of the best, <laughs> most useful robots out there. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck it does. It just goes and takes off. Yeah, and and it, its whole thing is to get scared and run away. <laughs> I liked Babu Frick, though. I did like Babu Frick. I was the only one in the whole theater laughing. I felt like a, in, like a crazy person because everyone's sitting there like looking at the screen like, the hell did he just Nerd. say? And I'm like, ha, that guy's hilarious. <laughs> I felt and, the same way at the very beginning when I was like, basically laughing whenever c3po did something in the uh, first act because i'm like i have to enjoy this movie so did you like the as soon as c3po boot like his fresh cold iron boot he's like oh what's going on he's like i'm babu frick he's like oh hi babu frick and later on he's like oh babu frick that's my oldest friend and he's just laughing it off he's like sweet every robot i hack thinks i'm the master yeah <laughs> That that uh, one when um, right before C three PO gets his memory wiped, um, where he turns around and everyone he's like and my friends and then like like that's such a touching moment for like the audience, but then all the characters are like start looking at their feet, <laughs> like ah. <"Ugh." laughs> Yeah, they finally feel guilty for shitting on him for the last nine episodes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, damn. Oh, man. <laughs> it's a good thing we use Flash ROM to get a backup of you. Whatever, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it would be more... Uh, it might be more payoff on that when they did, like, boot him back up with... R2-D2 booted him back up, like... And he's recalling some memories, but they're they're incomplete or wrong. That would be really funny, but they didn't do that. I thought it was pretty great that even C-3PO was like, oh, no, 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 R2-D2, no, that guy's a hunk of junk. This is is not going to (laughs) work. How many times has he been blown up or fried (laughs) or dropped out of the back of something? (laughs) Ah, they're durable. Clearly. Those astromechs. Astromechs are like the Nokia phones of the droid world. (laughs) Yes. Play snake on them and everything. Okay, um, let's move on to the Mandalorian. Yes. So, Great series. Uh, what are y'all... This is the new movie... Not movie. Uh, TV series. I guess that's TV series. Streaming series from Disney. Um, so what are, y'all, what are y'all thoughts? They should have hired Jon Favreau to the, do the last three movies. That's what I think. I, I'd agree with that. The Mandalorian kicks ass. It's great. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably the best piece of media 
Disney has put out about the Star Wars universe so far. I would agree. I, I do wish the episodes were a little longer because some of them are like 25-ish minutes and then some are like 40. And the 40-minute ones are definitely a better paced than the shorter ones. But it's probably because I'm going to say budget reasons is why. Because the show looks amazing. The show looks like very the, Star Wars. There's a lot of props which are not cheap to build. And the CG looks just as good as it does in the movies. Yeah. So it's like, okay... This thing must be hella expensive to make. So it definitely makes sense where some parts were like, okay, we got to speed this up a bit. Um, which the story or how, how, the mo- how the show is shot and how the dialogue works, it's more of a slow-paced burn. So those episodes where they speed stuff up definitely hurts it. No, no, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. It's, it, I, I get caught in feeling like, oh, I wish it was longer but I don't want them to stretch things out. Like, imagine if Disney just did one 30-minute episode, the first episode of The Mandalorian, and then never did any. Oh, you'd, people would go bananas. You'd lose your goddamn mind and just think <laughs> yeah. this is the best thing ever made. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying it needs more episodes. I'm just saying the the couple of episodes that were only, like, 25 minutes long, I think it's like, three of them. Like, if those were about 35 minutes so they could flush out some of the sections that were rushed, yeah, it would those would be strong episodes then instead of the weaker of the series. F- five or ten no, more I, minutes of Bill Burr running around in space, just oh. just proving that there's a space Boston accent. Yeah, space Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny that episode aired a week after Rick and Morty riffed on heists. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that episode is pretty much not part of the main story arc, and it is a space heist where it shows up. It's like, what's going on? Oh, it's the old gang. I don't work with droids, but there's money. And it's like, you son of a <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> but even going through like their spinoff episode like that, it's um, I love what they did with the fan service because what they're doing is poking fun at things that we all poke fun at like he meets one of the guys he's like yeah i was an imperial sharpshooter he's like yeah tell me how great you stormtroopers are he's like i wasn't a damn stormtrooper and you know they start <laughs> yeah and i'm like thank you at least when you're doing fan service you're you're poking fun at the things that we know have holes in them or yeah. just or, bad or like he might look like a gun gun under his mask right <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and so it's a nice, it's an interesting contrast to the fan service that you see in like the trilogy, the latest trilogy, right? Is it's fan service, but it's almost like if you have to explain the inside joke, it's not really that good of a joke anymore. Mandalorian, they they weave so much shit in there that's like you kind of have to be a fan of the Star Wars galaxy to to really get the full punch, whereas. I don't know, the trilogies, I just feel like they're like, they do something, and then they explain it, and then they explain it again. With a wink and a nod. You got it? Okay, great. Now buy it in stores near you. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of member berries Exactly. You know, remember this? There's a lot of that. But you see, I even give them that, like, they were able to keep the wraps on the child. I'm going to say the child. Screw calling it Baby Yoda. <laughs> it is, well, they refer to it as but, the child. Well, it, okay, it is, not, it is neither were, a baby nor Yoda. I know, uh, but I'm happy they were able to keep lit on that thing. 
and they knew Christmas was coming up, and they're like, nah, screw it. We're not going to ruin this. You want to buy a child toy? You're going to do it next year. I don't care. We're not ruining our story by letting Hasbro or whoever Mattel sell shit ahead of time. Like, Yeah, that I... actually was very interesting of their decision because, you know, it's Disney. They're all about money. Right. There has to be an ROI one way or another. Yep. So I'm, I couldn't be more ecstatic. I'm happy about it. Um, Steven, since you were such a fan of IG-88, how do you like seeing an IG-11, like, non-sentient model of IG-88 and seeing how he, he comes to life? Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I really loved IG-11. <laughs> and I loved his, like, he was quippy and, and really uh, almost snarky in a way, but his, his fighting methods were awesome where it just like everything was so calculated and it just like an arm goes out in one direction an arm goes in another direction then he spins around oh it was freaking great it's out. brutal yeah, I, yeah it was i love how cold his decisions are at the end he's like well we're f self-destruct mode and mando's like no no don't do this he's yeah. like no i'm gonna self-destruct that's the best logical move right now <laughs> and Mando's like no 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 and then he's like and at the end he's like yeah, I'll turn off my self-destruct now. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so IG-88, for I guess for those who don't know, uh, first uh, showed up in um, Empire Strikes Back, and he was a uh, this like trash can-looking bounty hunter that just stands next to the the line of other bounty hunters, and you see him for like a, a second. second. Yeah. But but like it's Boba Fett, Bosk, IG-88, and some other dude. <laughs> the EU has built so much lore behind him. Now, here's the thing. If you grew up playing the game um, Shadows of the Empire on the Nintendo 64, then you know IG-88 yeah. because he was so freaking difficult as a boss. Yeah, he's a badass. He's a yeah, an absolute badass. Yeah. So anytime you, like, you connect those two things, I see it in the Star Wars movie for like a few seconds, and he beat the living hell out of me in Shadows of the Empire. And then as soon as you see him in The Mandalorian and he actually kicks ass, it's like, oh my gosh, it's like vindication in a way. Well, you don't see IG-88, yeah. but you see NIG-8 model. Model, yeah. Well, and, like, IG, the the cool thing about, I guess, IG-11 versus IG-88 is IG-88 actually went literally haywire, and he he's he's not right in the head. You know, but in the factory, like, they built him, and then he, like, killed right. himself out of it. <laughs> right. And But, but IG-11's, like, just this mechanical precision murder droid. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't have he is the epitome of like shoot first no questions right because like he shoots mando yeah. like yeah. immediately yeah. When he sees oh yeah him. he doesn't give a <laughs> he's like let's go and then mando only gets saved from his his uh um armor armor but what's called best can be Beskin because best that's, that's yeah. actually best one of my, yeah. i think that's my favorite thing Adamantium. <laughs> Adamantium. Do um, not. I think that was my favorite things with how that whole first episode is set up. Where cool. I'm happy you're going into that. Is is the because he he uh, he gets that prepayment, you know, of the Beskin uh, material, and he gets it forged into like the the, the armor. shoulder plate. But they don't say why it's good, right? They're just like. You know, it's just shiny, right? That's the only thing you really know about it. And it's, it might be rare because the Empire is using it as kind of currency right now to get bounty hunters. 
But then the first time you see it in action is when the big two-legged mouth monster, what were those called? They ride them. Oh, the bl- uh, Blurgs? Blurg. Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds like a baseball from from That Futurama. totally sounds like something that would be on Rick and Morty also. Like they yeah, would call a it a Blurg. blurg. Uh, so I think it's Blurg. And so the the Blurg bites his his Vescan armor shoulder and it the armor holds up and then it bites his other side, which is his red older armor, and crushes it. Mm. So then you're like, Oh, it's stronger and then it deflects a laser blast from uh IG eleven uh later in the episode. So you're like, Okay, this stuff is pretty badass. They oh, didn't yeah. have to say that to anyone. But, but they showed it. Yeah, but they and, showed and it cool. in the story. No, from what I'm what I read in EU stuff. So Beskar for one, having to be comic book nerd. Beskar. Oh, it's Beskar, not Beskin. Beskar. Beskar. Um the way they describe it is like a lightsaber could nick it. It'll it'll deflect uh, blaster shots, but a lightsaber could deflect it. But if someone were to try to go perpendicular, it can't stop it. So it can even hold up. It's Mandalorian steel or Mandalorian iron. It can hold up against blaster shots and some lightsaber damage. But a forge that you can carry around and hide in a safe house melts it with no problem. I, I know. Weird. <laughs> Though, what's what's funny is the the rest of the Mandalorians, you know, everyone else is in hiding and they're all kind of bitter against the Empire and they're like, oh, you're doing work with the Empire. That didn't really sink in of how crappy of a shot that is because it's like your guild has to hide because of the Imperials and and what they did. And they just hired you and they're going to pay you in Beskar, which is the shit that your people forge and make. And you just melted it a bit and put an imperial stamp on there. It's like blood gold. Yeah, I know it's, it's insult like... to injury right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the manufacturing of the armor is kind of funky. I've, it's it's ability to be able to deflect hot plasma. It's like oh, that's it's like titanium, which is like really hard to machine and work with because it's really it takes a lot of heat to melt down and stuff. And they're like, it looks like they're just smelting iron. It's like solder pouring down this like yeah. pewter shoot yeah. like into their play-doh mold and <laughs> here's a new breastplate for you yeah right? and like the whole like hammering scene which i thought was really cool because it's like medieval style and it would make sense you would press the plate into a shape that would fit most people and then you would hammer it to fit the person better it, it should know, get stamped we, on the back we... one size fits all yeah, one size fits all. <laughs> one size fits most. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, we never considered that um, maybe everything in the Star Wars universe is just fragile. <laughs> like, Beskar is really just lead. They're just melting down lead. Lightsabers don't really get hotter than 500 degrees and just singe people. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're like, no. Nah. <laughs> Steven's like, I've done the math. I know. I, you know, it wouldn't be a Star Wars special without some calculation, which we'll get to eventually, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get to that one, let's talk about the rifle scope. Okay. So this this was entertaining in the fact that uh, we we were originally talking about like if I had to make something or fix something, what would I go after? And, um. I like hunting. I like weapons, so I kind of geek out whenever I see different weapons in 
any kind of sci-fi. And there were a lot of good shots through Mando's rifle scope and through some of the others like Fennec shot in episode five, her rifle scope. So I started looking at the different rifle scope shots and I started seeing, okay, when they're taking shots, they're about at like 520 to 530 meters. And it's consistent among the other shots. Now that could be due to um, lazy ass editing and CGI, probably. Just reusing the same rifle scope shot. <laughs> yeah, it does change for Fennec Shaw. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to crunch the numbers on this to see if it's even like in the realm of, of what's going on. Um, so I used to work on electro-optic systems. And I was like, well, I know electro-optics. I know how to apply Johnson's criteria. And then, so I busted out my physics book and, and crunched through this. Um, to give you an idea of how I was rating their scope, when you rate electro-optics and resolution, you, you're supposed to think about, can I detect, recognize, or identify something? Like, detection is, do I see an object or not? Recognition is, is this a speeder bike or a humanoid? And identification would be able to tell if, like, am I looking at a Jawa or sand people or, or a Mandalorian? You know, you don't have to exactly see their face, but, you know, you can identify what the characteristic of something is. So I looked at that. I took a look at the shot of, because he, he pops off his rifle scope a lot and hopes it up to his eye just to, like, look at the Jawas and look at others. Uh, there goes his zero. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's about the size of his finger. So I'm like, okay, it's about 1.5 centimeters. I plug it into a lot of the area equations and, and what you would get for a wavelength. So I was expecting it to be completely off. It comes in at about 936 nanometers when you punch through all the numbers. You, that means, like, with the aperture size of that scope, the most you can see is up to 936 nanometers, which goes into the infrared. Which means, like, Fennec Shad shot at night when they're racing across through the desert and everything, and she's seen them in infrared. I'm like, the math actually works out that with that size scope, you can see full color you can take shots about five to 600 meters and it's an infrared. So it hmm. kind of bummed me out. Cause I was like, no, I'm going to tweak this and re-engineer it. I'm like, they just got lucky or they asked some gunsmith to give them proper numbers. Cause it all works out. They got lucky. Yeah. But yeah, I was going through wavelength, electro optic system, Johnson's criteria, range, size of the target diameter. And you plug in everything into the standard formulas. I'm like, Oh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> which normally doesn't happen. That's cool. And I, I think, and it's interesting because the Star Wars universe has like really unusual size scopes. Mm-hmm. Like you'll see his rifle scope and it's about the size of a finger. And then if you think of Luke or, um, I can't remember that, uh, that bounty hunter in training that was following Mando around, they take their monoculars out that are, they're just like huge and they're looking down. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of range in what they're making and everything. You know, the biggest thing that's uh, funny about it is that that scope, even though it's it's plausible and it could actually work, um, Mando never takes his helmet off, and it's got to be an absolute nightmare to look through that helmet and then look down this little pencil scoped. <laughs> yep. Well, that's what I was wondering, Amal. Maybe that's why he has a scope that small, because of the little slit in his helmet. I'm like, well, the aperture's small enough he can see it through his dumb little quake-shaped. <laughs> he he loves... It's the quake it logo. It is the quake logo. Mandalorian yeah. armor. 
Actually, um, strangely enough, let me let me look it up. I believe that that is also like if you go look up the Presbyterian Church of America, their logo looks like the Mandalorian's face. Really? Uh, at least it, it used to. Oh shit! I'm a Presbyterian now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that okay. That's I guess this newer logo. I can't remember exactly which one. My wife showed it to me the other day. Uh, some it was a Presbyterian logo for whatever sect or whatever, and it looked it, it like it looked like Boba Fett's face, and underneath it was like Presbyterian. Like, <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm Presbyterian. <laughs> that is the way. Clearly, I have spoken. This is the way. Maybe maybe it was um, maybe it was a Presbyterian seminary or something like that. Right, so as we touched on it, Stephen, you have a lightsaber calculation. Yeah, like I said, um, where you know it wouldn't be a Star Wars special without some calculations, and so I wanted to go and um, really figure out the energy behind a lightsaber, and more along the lines of like what kind of energy source would the lightsaber actually need to have to accomplish the things that we have evidence of from the movies because lightsabers 18650s sorry what was it 18650 yeah just one or two you know two if you want it to last longer <laughs> so actually uh so i had sent all of you guys pdf files so if you could open them up um while you guys go ahead and do that i've got a question for you we're going to do like a little bit of a multiple choice quiz ahead of time uh so one of the things, well, I have three questions that I, I decided I wanted to answer. The first one is, how much total energy does the power source in the hilt of a lightsaber need to hold to be able to accomplish these things? Second one is, how fast does the energy need to be delivered? In other words, like, how much is the instantaneous wattage that comes out of a lightsaber? And then the last one is, what is the total energy needed to slice Darth Maul in half? Like, hap that, like what happens in episode one. Um, so the, just to kind of like bring our universe and Star Wars universe together, I have a ridiculous question and everything about all of these equations that we're about to talk about are absolutely ridiculous. So we're prefacing by just saying that. So the thing is that I want you guys to guess on before going too far into it. Uh, assuming that the lightsaber was to run off of a perfect 3.6 volt LiPo battery. Perfect meaning, no resistance, and capable of just, like, puking all of its guts as fast as you want. How many amp hours would that battery need to be rated for in a, uh, in a lightsaber? So there's four, there's four options mm. here. There's 320 kiloamp hours, 475 kiloamp hours, 666 kiloamp hours, or 933 kiloamp hours. So... Start putting in, uh, start, start thinking about which one of those numbers is right, and uh, we'll start going through the calculations to discover it. You know, have they ever charged about having to recharge or rebuild, like, the kyber crystals that they if put it, okay, in Okay, so the power su uh, supply recharges itself. I don't remember the name of it. It starts with a D. It's, like, it's basically like a D-sized battery that they plug in there, and it, it charges itself. It's a shake weight. Yes, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Shake <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, out of those four, take a guess now, and we'll go through our calculations to figure out how that how that actually works. Execute order six 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 kiloamp hours. 
666. <laughs> okay, so check this out. It's Iron Maiden out concert. Of all, out of all the things in all the Star Wars movies, there's kind of one scene that really taxes a lightsaber or feels like it taxes a lightsaber more than any others. And it's at the very beginning of episode one. It's when Qui-Gon Jinn cuts a hole in the door of, gosh, what's that guy's name? The Trade yeah. Federation. As their, you can see, doors, I'm okay, yeah. publicly legal. That guy. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember his. <laughs> That's a perfect voice impression. <laughs> I don't remember his name, but but yeah. Um, so they so Qui Gon Jinn just takes the lightsaber and he shoves it through a blast door and he just starts going to town, cutting a hole on that. So there's a couple not a couple there's like gazillion assumptions that are going to be made in these calculations but uh one of the things that happens in that uh in that scene is after he's already like a third of the way cutting a hole in this door a second set of blast doors close in order to kind of like make the calculations work out i just assumed that those second set of doors were also closed so what would it take what would the lightsaber need to be able to deliver to that door in order to cut it if all the blast doors were closed because qui-gon actually does do that so let's go ahead and um analyze this so i actually looked up the height of liam nielsen to see how tall the actor was he's tall he's like six he's six three or six he four. is six four which is 1.93 meters i'm doing this in in meters here in science units yeah in science units so in the scene where he's doing it he's slightly bent over but the 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 hole he's cutting is not even as tall as he is so i kind of analyzed the the scene from the film and found out that the radius of the circle that he's trying to cut is about 0.82 meters tall and um let me go ahead and preface this real quick by saying there's been a lot of other people who've done this calculation out there. So there was a lot of information that I could find on this already before having to just like chug through all the calculations myself. And uh, I'm going to credit a, a gentleman named Rhett Allian, A-L-L-A-I-N. I'm sorry. I'm butchering that. I don't know how to. Sorry, Rhett. But uh, Rhett wrote an article in 2010 for Wired where he does basically this calculation. And so I walked through all of his calculations and found that there was a lot of stuff that I wasn't, I didn't agree with his assumptions on. So I modified those and went a little bit above and beyond that. So, uh, yeah, the hole in the door was about 0.82 meters. So the very first thing that I basic that I tried to do was figure out what is the volume of material that would need to be sliced, which is basically the width of a lightsaber blade and the circumference of the circle that he's trying to cut. And if you look up kits for building lightsabers and general lightsaber lore, the, the beam width itself is about three quarters of an inch. So I went with that as like, okay, so if I, if you were to cut a circumference, it would be three quarters of an inch by the circumference of a 0.82 radius circle. What that all ends up meaning is you have 0 0.098 meters cubed of material that would need to be melted by a lightsaber. Uh, given the thickness in the circumference. So the great thing is, you now that we have a volume, we can calculate the mass of material that needs to be melted. So to find the mass of the, the melted material, you take the volume and you multiply it by the density of the material. This is where the second kind of big assumption comes in. I am making an assumption of that the material is AR500 steel. So basically, hard a really hard armor-proof steel or... Um, uh, yeah, basically bulletproof steel is what they would what I basically went with, and that has a density of point two eight three 
pounds per inch cube, which is 7,833 kilograms per meters cubed, which if you multiply that by the volume, you can get the mass of purely the amount of material that was melted, which is 787 kilograms of material. 787 kilograms is already a ton of steel that has to get melted. So, you know, I gave you those four numbers earlier that were they all seemed like huge numbers. But if if the first number in our calculation is coming out to 787 kilograms of steel melted by this thing and he does it pretty fast, those numbers, you, you know, start to like generate it in your head. They're going to be big. OK, so here's the thing. In order to actually calculate how much energy is delivered to the door uh what i what i did or what what i kind of like followed along the path with was there's the melted portion of the door where it's actually liquid steel but then around the liquid steel the energy is is dissipating into the door so you have a, you have steel that's in liquid state but you also have a gradient of steel that is not in liquid state so there's two masses we really calculate. The first one is the melted steel, and then the mass of the steel around the melted portion that is also getting ridiculously hot. And so uh, just from analyzing the scene and the width of the, the, the thickness of what looks like melted versus non-melted steel, it looks like the area around the cut is about five times uh, sorry, four times the uh, the width of the cut itself. So if we multiply our, the mass we just calculated, that 787 by 4, we get 3,150 kilograms. So we're melting 787 kilograms of steel, but we're also heating up an additional 3,150 kilograms of steel around the cut. Here's where it gets kind of cool. If you, if you assume that the door itself can act as a black body radiator... Then by analyzing the color of the cut, you can analyze, you can back calculate the uh, heat of the cut and you can analyze the, uh, the, what temperature the surrounding area around the cut is. So we're, we're, we've already found the mass, but now we can just look at the picture and say the cut, according to the color in the movie, is about 5,200 Kelvin and the area surrounding the cut is about 2,700 Kelvin which those numbers were taken directly from that Wired article. Give credit where, where it's due. Um, but if you look at steel, steel has a melting temperature of around 1,600 Kelvin, and we're seeing that the melting here is 5,200. So we're just going to chalk that up to Star Wars and just say this is like super special Star Wars steel that melts at a really ridiculous temperature. So all said and done, we kind of now have the majority of what we need. We know the mass of the melted material. We know the mass of the unmelted material. We know the temperatures. Um, and then if we just use the specific heat of, um, of steel and then also the latent uh, heat that, that is required to do the phase transition between a solid to a liquid, we can kind of add all of that up given all of the masses. And I have this all spelled out in this document that I have here. But calculate all of those things together and in order to cut this door which i apologize i think i i may have um uh missed saying earlier that i calculated with the door being one meter thick it takes 606 i'm sorry uh 6.16 times 10 to the ninth joules to actually cut through this door to cut a circle that 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 
large. And and when we're talking about joules here, like we're not talking about in a particular amount of time. It just takes that much energy to to cut it. It could that could happen in a second or that could happen in a week. Who cares? It's just that's the total amount of energy. 6.16 times 10 to the ninth joules is an enormous number. Uh, so by using that number, we can actually calculate the instantaneous power that the lightsaber itself has to put out at any one point in time. And the way we do that is we take the total amount of energy and we divide by the uh, amount of time it takes to get there. And in general, I just estimated 20 seconds. It's just it was just a number I used. These numbers are so ridiculous that it sort of almost doesn't matter what number you use. They're always yeah. going to be ridiculous. I, I just had to Google it for reference. Hiroshima was 4,000 joules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, six. It's, uh, so you take 6.16 times 10 to the ninth joules, you divide by 20, and you end up getting a, a wattage output of 3.08 megawatts that the lightsaber has to just continuously dump into the door in order to cut. Wait, how, how much? Three megawatts, basically, <laughs> which is absolutely 1. ridiculous. 21 gigawatts. Yeah, pretty much. Three. <laughs> so Three so given those numbers now and the numbers that I, I mentioned to you guys earlier, uh, assuming we had a 3.6 volt battery... Uh, just take a guess at one of those four numbers, the 320. Three, me three megawatt hours? No, no, three, three megawatts is the instantaneous power that the lightsaber was outputting. Oh. Like, <laughs> continuous, three megawatts. So, uh, of those four battery um, numbers I gave you, 320 kiloamp hours, 475, 666, or 933, which one do you guys guess? Uh for a regular 3.6 volt lipo, would it have to put out? I still like the 666 because it plays in that Palatine. <laughs> I I was erring on the high side, just saying like screw it, the 900, right? 975. That was kind of my logic as well. So so uh, it actually ends up being 475 kiloamp hours, which all said and done, That's it's all? just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> like, like I said, you'd have to have a, an absolutely perfect battery that it's 3.6 volts and it delivers 3.6 volts and has zero resistance. But in terms of just the sheer number of electrons you have to have in order to have that happen is just absolutely ridiculous. So I think the whole point of doing this calculation is just showing that, like, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. Can you imagine what kind of conductors you would have to have from the power source to the the kyber crystal emitter to handle all that power? Yeah, they would have to be perfect, uh, just perfect conductors. <laughs> you you know, if you go back to if you go back to your question about why do power panels explode? If you think about it in general, this is the amount of load that they're traditionally dealing with in Star Wars <laughs> tech. It doesn't surprise me that their panels explode when just something, just a little bit of a fluctuation goes wrong. Yeah, that could be it. I'm thinking, like, basically underneath the panels in Star Wars or inside a lightsaber, it's actually at zero Kelvin, so you can have superconductors. <laughs> just, just per yeah, because force. Yeah, or because space opera reasons you get space magic 
Well, okay, so so this leads to sort of the last calculation that I did in there. So the first two were how much energy, how much instantaneous power, but then what is the total energy needed to cut Darth Maul in half? And given what we know, just keep this in your mind, I'll ask you in a little bit, but the slice that goes through um, Darth Maul, would, would Obi-Wan have felt any resistance or at all or no resistance whatsoever uh for the cut so in order to do this calculation i basically treated darth maul in the same way i treated the door i basically found like what is what is the actor's waist size and then i uh, i did just some general calculations about uh the density of of uh Flush. T- it tissue actually if you looked at my google search results right now it's 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 horrifying it's like <laughs> fleshy yeah no, no, but it's like fleshy tinch, dense tissue yeah, what is the specific heat of average human tissue and uh the the, dif- the difference like, is instead cooking, of cooking <laughs> human steaks you want human steaks delivered to your door the, yeah sort of the biggest difference here is instead of using the melting temperature of steel i used what is the ignition temperature of human tissue and uh spinal cord and then what is the average diameter of a um, uh, adult male spinal cord? And, and I, then... I have to know, did it at least pop up in your first three Google search results of anything relevant? Everything relevant. You would, you would, you'd be oh, surprised God. at how easy it is <laughs> to find these numbers. And like there's medical journals all over the place where it's like, yep, yep, human burns like this. You know, like, it's a, okay, cool. So these numbers were all incredibly easy to find uh, with, with, I mean, it didn't take much digging. It's just like, it's just weird to type in what's the ignition temperature of human flesh. Uh, but hey, for the, in the name of science, we're doing this, right? <laughs> so using generally the same calculations, um, but instead of putting the melting temperatures in, putting the ignition temperatures in, I was able to back calculate um, the mass of a, uh, three-quarter inch cylinder slice of Darth Maul's gut and how much energy is, is contained within there. And all said and done, after all the calculations, the energy required to cut that slice is only 2,441 joules uh, worth of that little sliver inside of uh, Darth Maul. So, Surprisingly little. Uh, amazingly little compared to a meter thick of super Star Wars uh, steel. Uh, so, so all said and done, I would guess, especially because the, the movies actually kind of imply this also, slicing through Darth Maul, you wouldn't even feel it. Like, the lightsaber would just go straight through, and there wouldn't even be any resistance whatsoever. Except for the amount of energy that thing's pumping out, it'd be like dumping a bucket of water in a deep fat fryer when you hit him <laughs> with it. It sucker would just fucking explode. <laughs> this thing, lightsabers must be vaporizing everything within it like the moment you turn it on like instantaneous you would cook yourself with the radiant heat just holding the damn blade yeah. no uh, yeah for sure like you wouldn't even be able to be close to that thing in fact that wouldn't be another fun calculation like if you actually held a lightsaber that was continuously dumping three megawatts out uh, how how close could you actually get to it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is there is one article that I read. I don't know how much canon this is, but um, apparently, according to this one 
person, they they suggested that lightsabers were kind of like induction burners, where they could instantaneously change their output based off of the load that they felt. So when you just turn it on, it's at a very minimal load, and it's just basically producing light. It's at idle. It's at idle, yeah, yeah. But as soon as you, uh, as soon as it actually strikes a load, then it, <laughs> then it goes from like one watt to three megawatts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, yeah. All, what I like about that is it. I think they did very well actually in episode one, even though the numbers are ridiculous. Uh, the fact that like Qui Gon actually did experience some resistance in the door. He like it took some time for the door to actually heat up. But if if those numbers were actually even slightly accurate, then going through Darth Maul's gut would be absolutely nothing. Yeah, just whoop <laughs> straight through. Which is why Episode Seven is bullshit because <laughs> Ray should not be able to hold a lightsaber and swing it around like that. She'd cut her own damn head off. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Ross. <laughs> Just tying it all back together. Yeah. I think one of my favorite uh, uh, pieces of Star Wars uh, media is the Robot Chicken episodes, which is a cartoon show on, on Cartoon <laughs> Network that um, does like skit comedy with, with action figures. I think it's Stop good. animation. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. They have a, there's a skit where someone drops a lightsaber. While it's on, <laughs> it, just, it just goes it just through, the through the ship. <laughs> it keeps going through the ship because <laughs> it just you know it just burns a hole. So it's, just, it's like a remind me of the uh, an alien the the in the blood in the yeah, alien which just yeah. eats through the ship. You see, like when you start analyzing the actual um, mechanisms behind the lightsabers, there's so many variables and knobs that you can turn that really have drastic effect on the equations that you're you're dealing with, like. Okay, so lasers do a pretty damn good job of cutting through things, but the width of the beam of a laser is absolutely tiny. You know, one of the reasons why the numbers came out so huge is the fact that I was assuming that the lightsaber has equal density as like a 0.75-inch cylinder of light that was coming out, and that actually makes the, the numbers massive. But if you assume that a lightsaber is just you know, a thousandth of an inch worth of uh, cutting uh, light and all the rest is just like a glow that comes off of it. Well, then the numbers change massively. So I don't know. Like, like I said, the numbers are all ridiculous oh, and they're sort of based the off of is, weird it did assumptions. Cut, when you look at the the movie, it does cut a beam width slot out of the, exactly. out of the door. Exactly. And that's why I went off of like kits that you can buy that look like lightsabers. Damn, I was going to start to go down the rabbit hole. Of, oh, that would make sense. It's just plasma floating around the actual heat source. But you're right. This is th- th- this is the part that sucks about like dealing with or or even playing around with numbers and physics. You get a really healthy dose of um, reality as soon as you start looking at things like this, where it's just like, yeah, it takes a shitload of energy to melt steel. Like, there's no way around that. So, Roz. <laughs> You were talking about a calculation you were working on. I think it was with Mando. Well, no, 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 no. I'm an underachiever. <laughs> well, don't worry. I took that took no. the off too. You, uh, you, uh, you, 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 you rained on my parade when you told me and correctly that Mando's rifle was a disintegrator rifle. I thought it was a slug thrower. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna figure out like Newtonian physics. Figure out how much like force it would take to turn a 
Jawa into a fine red mist and instantaneously, uh, <laughs> like and, and back calculate what exactly uh, Mando's shoulders made out of because, uh, uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of force. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, on his, on his. Honestly, that there, episode so. it was was freaking awesome because. I was not ready for that. I was like, "Oh man, they're they're stealing his stuff," and he just pulls out a gun and then just just starts wasting them, laying them down. <laughs> yeah. As you should. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was super surprised that Disney allowed because it's like it's rated like PG thirteen, I think. Yeah. And I'm surprised how much violence is actually in there. Like in the first episode, like a guy gets chopped in half by a door. It's like holy. Yeah, the first episode was pretty pretty good like it sets the tone for the rest of the series yeah, yeah i thought it was a slug door because he keeps those uh he keeps like ammunition on his on his i guess he carries like a bandolier or something but irrelevant because he's carrying a disintegrator rifle so because he's pointing that in, in uh, it was the first episode he's pointing it at a stormtrooper at like point blank range yeah apparently uh ra- yeah there's no like less disintegrated it's it's kind of like binary <laughs> so I'm only partially disintegrated don't worry about it i don't know i don't think it kills you anymore if you're closer <laughs> what i don't understand is why don't the uh if the empire's got so much beskar steel floating around why don't they make um you know stormtrooper armor out of it or something i thought they did i thought was it is it the shadow troopers Oh, you talking about from uh, from like dark uh, dark forces? Yeah, I thought they did use Beskar steel to make some some of the specialized troopers' armor. Huh. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Hops on Google. Yep, I'm I'm already doing it. <laughs> the Death Troopers show up in episode uh, seven of. I I like that with Gus. Uh, Gus he shows up uh, with his Pollo Hermanos uh, Death Troopers and just weighs lay, lays waste to uh, that Nazi general guy's uh, cantina there. Can't remember his name, the imp. That was also a big shock to me that that happened. Yeah, I'm still trying to kind of put two and two together on that one. Yep. Obviously, to be determined, but yeah, episode eight. Oh, I cannot wait. It's gonna be good. What? What is it? Tuesday? Yeah. And then they're gonna make us wait a year to watch another seven or eight episodes. <laughs> wait, don't tell me that. Yeah, uh, there's only eight episodes in the first season of The Mandalorian. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> he just crushed his world. We've huh? lost Roz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Man, you know what? Bummer. John Favreau was like, "I can either drag this out or just give people just a taste and make them hate themselves for a year wanting more." Star Wars: Game of Thrones. Man's a genius. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Episode eight's going to be 13 minutes. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's great. I think that's all the top. Oh, no, we have one more topic. Oh. Engineering Star Wars Tech Data Pad Security Resistance Reborn book. Oh, I forgot about that. No, you know, I just thought it was interesting that... So I go back to the book I was ripping on that they released to try to bridge the two things. Out of all the the, the different, like, heists and things... Every episode's a heist. You're trying to get data about something crucial back to the good guys. 
their security is awful most of the time, Imperial security. And what I thought was funny as hell was when they actually talk about the book, there's um, one of the generals has a data pad and they keep talking about him using this data pad. And when every time he logs into the data pad, they use two-factor authentication, first order two-factor authentication, where you have to type in a password. Sends him a text message. <laughs> yeah. And you put your thumbprint on. I'm Google like, security alert. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait, really? It's thumbprint and password? And then it gives them like some kind of information system warning where it's like, this message is intended for executive records officers, brat. And if you have received this in error, you will continue under penalty of the first order. I'm like, that's... It's a E-U-L-A I, of a... Yeah, the first order EULA, where it's like, we'll kill you, but please provide thumbprint and password. If you're reading this, we are going to kill you, so please tell us that you're reading it. <laughs> In <Yeah>. error. <laughs> but of all things, you would think out of, uh, out of like two or three generations of, you know what, the majority of, of our war and fallacies are over intel and information leaks and information stealing about plans and whatnot you think they would do more than a password and a thumbprint at least they finally addressed what a data pad actually uses and it's got a eula to keep your ass in line well in, in rogue one they store them in eight tracks in a giant vault yep yeah <laughs> and then in um physical security. and in mando yeah. their mando's communication is unencrypted because the stormtroopers pick it up that's true mm-hmm. now I did okay. So the, this is interesting. You remember in Empire, there's the whole backstory about the guy running around with the ice cream maker. Yeah. And and like, what the hell is that thing? And he like, people gave him a name and a backstory. Oh, on, on Cloud City. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, did you realize that when Mando gets paid by the imp in the Beskar steel, he hands him one of those ice cream maker containers? Ah. Go look it up. It's one of those what? things. They just retconned what the hell that thing was. Go look it up. It's promise. So it just you. holds material. It's a giant. It's a giant Tupperware <laughs> container. Yeah, it's just a container to hold things. <laughs> space yeah. Tupperware. Yeah, it's space Tupperware. <laughs> well, now I'm gonna put my beer in one. Let's 3D print one, Parker. <laughs> You know, um, I just realized something that we we do every year and we haven't done this year. Uh, and oh. I've done it uh, now four times or three times. Parker's done it three times. Roz did it once. But, hi, Ron, uh, since, since uh, you haven't been on with the Star Wars stuff before, um, what is your favorite droid? Oh, um, so old series and, and new stuff. Actually, it was IG-88. I had read some of the older EU novels, and he's an assassin badass, and he's he's more of a... I don't need to re-explain what you explained, but in the newer series, or the newer EU, there's a comic series that I read. Um, you know, Disney was putting out a lot of different comics starting in past three or four years ago. One's called Dr. Afra, and they have an equivalent of C-3PO and R2 called Triple Zero and BT-1. Google BT1 on it. So BT1 is a blastromech droid. Blastro. He's an assassin droid disguised as an astromech. He's got a f- 
Fucking rocket launcher. Yeah, he's got like missile pods. <laughs> yes. So imagine an asshole like R2, <laughs> but, but I'll kill you. he is armed to the teeth. And um, oh, what else was there part of his backstory? Uh, basically, he is part of Tarkin Industries where they developed all the weapons, and he burnt Tarkin Industries to the ground <laughs> and escapes. And Dr. Afra finds him and, like, puts basically a restraining bolt on him, saying, okay, you're not going to kill people, but you're going to be my assassin droid. Um, kind of similar, just just kind of a curious, clunky assassin blastomech droid. <laughs> That's amazing. That's funny. And, um, yeah, he's he, he's a cool little droid. If I had to go character, aside from droid, just to upset you all, I'm going to say Wicket. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Gotta love, you gotta love the I'm Ewoks. I'm in. <laughs> I was so happy to see Wicket at the end of episode nine, just kind of looking up He's got to be getting up there in yeah. age, though, right? I wonder how long they live. You never know. Ewoks could live to be like, oh, wait, hold on. I've got the Star Wars RPG core rulebook. <laughs> it would tell you there. Thrall, average lifespan, 10 years. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> It's Wicket's great, 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 great grandson. I do wonder if there was a Star Wars podcast, if they would have been available when Empire or sorry, uh, Return of the Jedi came out, if they would have shat all over it like we shat on 9, you know? This yes. hashtag not uh, my Star Wars. But, uh, the e What's a hash? Ewoks were pretty controversial. Pound sign. So. Yeah, they didn't like. Yeah, no one I liked know. the teddy bear movie. They were foreshadowing of the Gungans. <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> Thirty years early. You know, you guys shit all over the the over the the holiday special movie. You don't talk much about the Ewok t made for TV movies. That, oh, I think there's two. Yeah, of them. they were awful. It's too young for it. Yeah, they have nothing to do with anything. And they're amazing and they're awful. So I think we do need to watch the the holiday special because no. it does have like thirty minutes of just Wookiee noises. No, it has, no subtitles. <laughs> it's just Wookiees talking to each it other. It has it has a long period of time of a Wookiee like following like an instructional video on how to put together like an electronic radio kind of thing. Like swear to God, it's so bad. I think in our first Star Wars episode we had a um, uh, an intermission with uh, Star Wars on Ice. Wasn't it? I think we had something like that. Oh, man. This is a hour and 50 minutes long of a podcast. Yeah, you're going to have to edit edit this sucker down. We have to make it longer than episode nine. Well, we still got an hour. <laughs> we have an hour to go then. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Would, uh, would you guys uh, care to sign us out? That was the fourth annual Macrofab Star Wars Christmas special podcast. We're your host, Josh Rozier. And Hyron. And your hosts, Parker Delman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Commence primary ignition.